You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. On the fake, Rodgers lets it fly, has Watson, he's got it on his feet and he's in for the touchdown! receiver's career from Christian Watson. You can see him. It's just press man. They talk about his speed, his ability to get behind the defense. It's just a matter of can he catch it. That's a great job tracking the ball. He just took a big sigh of relief. Look at his buddies greeting him on the sideline, man. That's got to feel good. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome into Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. If you'd like to text the show, you can send a text message to 865-658-5824. I officially have it memorized. Round of applause, please. I've had to write it down every single time, and I forgot to write it down. And we've got the number memorized. So there you go. Again, it's 865-658-5824. Had a ton of text messages coming through uh, earlier today, none of which we're really going to read on the air. It's just really cool communicating with everybody. Had a bunch of people, you know, Andy Monday texting, Donnie texting, um, Roland, Dakota. There, we got people from all over the place. Been really cool communicating with you guys. But on today's show, obviously, we're coming down to the wire. Right. Um, I started to do a show yesterday, but I thought, let's wait another day. And I'm glad we did because the Aaron Rodgers trade came through. And I wanted to do one final uh, podcast for you guys and gals um, before the draft to kind of set the stage. Right. You guys know we did the mock draft extravaganza, right, where I did like nine mock drafts and talked about where players may fall. Now, obviously, that has changed a bit because the Green Bay Packers now have moved up two spots from the number 15 uh, spot there in the first round to the number 13 spot. And then they also picked up that extra pick, I believe number 42, if I remember correctly. Yeah, 42 from the Jets. So they uh, climbed up two spots in the first round. And, and you know, it's funny going into this whole trade talk, the big thing that I heard people say is I, I don't care about moving up two spots. It's only two spots. I want, I want the first round pick without giving up our first. And it's like, I know it's only two spots, but guys, that's valuable. That's valuable, uh, you know, draft value there. I mean, it really, really is. So um, I'm excited to climb up uh, two spots because 
when we did our mock drafts, man, we were just missing out on some great players. In some cases, it was a, a great edge defender. In some cases, um, it was uh, offensive tackle. Uh, you know, uh, one time I remember we barely missed Jackson Smith and Jigba, um, you know, and I know a lot of people were much higher on him than I am. I mean, I, I think he's a great player. I have him high on my board, but I've got kind of a cluster of wide receivers. I don't see him as that, hey, he's way better than everyone else. I think the majority of the people that see it that way is because of the combine and the, the lateral expo- explosion and all that. Um, that's kind of skyrocketed him up, not necessarily up people's boards, but it's just got fans really, really excited about what he might provide, right? Um, you guys know I don't mean to be boring. I don't mean to be dull and, and kind of a downer, but I just don't – I don't flip out over the combine and the uh, and the pro day stuff. I don't – I flip out when I turn on the tape and see someone perform fast with pads on, right? And it's something that Jake Shavink talked about the other night uh, on the uh, the draft uh, podcast that we did, uh, both, uh, you know, he and I and uh, – uh, Ryan Schlipp was on there with us, and he kind of talked about, you know, people were saying that Jalen Hyatt isn't that fast. And it's like, bro, he runs a 4-4-40. Like, the dude, the dude is fast, and, and he's fast with pads on. There's a big difference. You know, some people just look fast at the combine. And I love how someone – I think it was Ryan that might have pointed it out. He said, how many great receivers run a 4-3-40, right? It's like, there's not many. Why is that? People fall in love with them because of that 40 time, and then you put them on the field, and they're not not quite as fast. Now, speed kills. Don't get me wrong. Speed is, you know, it's so it's so important. But speed doesn't help you. A player's going to slow down once they get on the football field. Right? So, uh, and obviously not running on on turf, indoors, and, and you know, every other uh, imaginable um, piece of environment that you could put in place to make it as comfortable as possible for someone to perform at their peak level. And then all of a sudden we expect, Hey, that's what we're getting on Sunday. That's how you get into your, your Rosses and some of the other real quick wide receivers that just didn't pan out. But what we're going to do today is another series of mock drafts. I'm not going to bore you with it too much, but I think it's important to go back and do a series of mock drafts. Now that we have these new picks, I'm not touching these. You know, this the last time that I did this, I did nine mock drafts, and I made the pick for Green Bay every single time. This time, I am letting the CPU do it. I am letting the platforms do it. We're going to use PFF, Pro Football Network, NFL Mock Draft Database, and the Draft Network. We're going to run through the uh, first three rounds of the draft. In this case, it would be the number 13 pick, the number 42 pick, the number 45 pick, and the number 78 pick. And we're going to talk about um, who they selected for the Green Bay Packers. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to introduce you guys to the 33rd team, okay? Some of you probably already heard about it. If you haven't heard of the 33rd team, you really need to go check their website out. They do great podcasts. They do great coverage. The 33rd team is everything that I wanted in a network. And and I've held off on this podcast talking about it from uh, from time to time because I wanted a little more information. I wanted to to kind of be out there a little bit more and say, okay, are they going overboard for entertainment value? Or are they trying to bring accuracy to the table? Because the uh, the the blueprint that they've created for this website is absolutely phenomenal. You basically take people who have been in the game, right? Former GMs, former scouts, former execs, former uh, coaches, former players, and you basically use them as the experts for this network, essentially the 33rd team. They put together a team. I just think this is so cool. You can probably hear me smiling right now because they they put together as if there was a 33rd team in the, in the National Football League, and they said, here's how we would build our team. Here is our staff. Now let's go out here and provide the information that we have. They bring real-life scouting, meaning they use the scouting system that the majority, if not all, of uh, NFL teams use, which was actually – uh, created the 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 skeleton, I should say, 
of that scouting operation, um, you know, was was basically created by Gil Brandt in Dallas with the Cowboys. I think back in the 60s, definitely he was there by the 70s. I think it might even date back to the 60s, maybe even right before Gil came on board with Dallas, which you guys know Gil Brandt. Um, they call him the godfather of professional football. He's a guy who's been around the game his entire life. He made some comments a couple years ago that I think some people took out of context. I think other people uh, took it a little to heart. Uh, they don't take into consideration how old he is. I mean, maybe I don't. I don't even know how I get off on these rants on this podcast, but I'm just going to say it. It sounds like a lot of people have never had an older person in their family go through that aging process. Like, you know, I've had uncles. I've had, you know, uh, I wasn't, you know, very, uh, very close with my grandparents, but um, you know, they they pretty much died when I was really, really young. Um, my, one of my grandmothers, well, my mother's parents passed away before I was born and my dad's dad passed away when I was like six in a car accident. And then my dad's mother had Alzheimer's from the time I was about eight or nine years old. So I never had that close relationship with them, but I knew other people had friends that had grandparents that were like my grandparents as they get older, man, there's no filter. Some of you guys are laughing right now. You're going, Oh, I understand exactly what you're saying, Clayton. And then there's others that are like, there's no excuse for it. Okay. I got it. I got it. Just put your stones back in your robe there, Hoss. Everything's going to be okay. But evidently he's, he made some comments and it kind of ticked some people off. And I don't even know the con the, the full context of, of the comments by Gil Brandt, but he's just one of the, the founding fathers of the national football league. And um, he created this scouting system, this grading system. And that's kind of what teams use today. Bill Belichick and Michael Lombardi and everybody in New England, they they really took it and ran with it all the way back to the Cleveland Brown days. And they weren't the, the first team to use it. It was all stolen. Any good piece of information is typically stolen and revamped. And it amazes me how people are so – if you use something of theirs, they're like, oh, you stole that from me. But come on, bro. you really pretending like you created that? You created that whole idea? Like – yeah, you know, it just, I don't know, it pisses me off when people try to act like, um, you know, the only thing that matters is them getting credit for something. When, in all honesty, no, you know, something special happens when no one cares about who gets the credit for it. People can grow from a product, grow from a service, grow from experience, whatever it is. Um, but people are just so close about it. But anyway, what I'm going to do is introduce you guys to the 33rd team and how their scouting system works. And we're going to provide their scouting grades for these mock drafts. Okay. And I'm also next to that. I'm going to tell you guys where these people rank on my board, these players as they're drafted. Okay. So let's start off with PFF, the number 13 pick simulation. All this is simulation. The number 13 pick, the green Bay Packers select Jackson Smith and Jigba wide receiver, Ohio state. Really, really exciting pick, right? I think that's the pick. I mean, when, when I did the poll, when I asked the question on Twitter, Packer fans blew it up. It wasn't even close. They wanted Jackson Smith and Jigba. I love the idea of Jackson Smith and Jigba playing that slot. And, you know, Jake Shavink, uh, if I understood him correctly, I don't want to put words into his mouth, but he's watched a ton of tape on, on JSN. And he, it, the vibe I got from him is he can play multiple positions. It's just the slot is really where he fits in. Um, he's probably going to text me after this and go, hey, dude, I didn't say that. Shut up. Keep my name out your mouth. Will Smith style, right? But he he led me to believe, okay, you know what? I, I kind of feel like, you know, Jackson Smith and Jigba can, can play a more rounded approach and not just slot. So um, that pick would be very, very popular at number 13. What's really cool about going from 15 to 13, and those people that were screaming, I don't care about two picks, give me the first, I, I'm not giving you my blah, blah, blah. Guys, we leapfrog New England. 
And from someone who follows New England pretty closely, they are all over the wide receivers this year. Now, whether they select one, that's a whole different ball game. We've seen Belichick take Cole Strange last year. You heard Sean McVay and them guys laugh and snicker and say they had like a third-round uh, grade on them or something like that. Of course, Bill Belichick, every, when everyone else swerves, you know, uh, he it's just it's amazing. When, when, when everyone else zigs, he zags, right? And um, so – he may not go wide receiver, but it's really, really cool knowing that we don't have to worry about maybe getting the second best wide receiver if indeed New England was going to take one at the 14 spot. Now we're at the 13 spot. And also there's some trade value there. If there's another team that absolutely loves a wide receiver, right, and no receivers have come off the board when we pick, guess who's holding the golden ticket, right? And you guys know I'm team trade back. But anyway, Jackson Smith and Jigba. The 33rd team had a 7.0 grade on him. I want to talk about these grades real quick, okay? Just try to explain it to you. I'm going to go to their grading scale. An 8.0 is the perfect prospect. A 7.6 to a 7.9 is a potential Hall of Famer. A 7.0 to a 7.5 is an all-pro talent, top 10 pick. 6.70 to 6.99 is a year one starter, first-round talent. 6.5 to 6.69 is a boomer bust, wild card, second rounder. Uh, 6.4 to 6.49 is a starter within two years. 6.20 to 6.39 is an eventual starter, a second or a third-round talent on and on and on and on. So I just want to kind of explain, all right, that's how it's laid out. That's how that scouting system works. And, and some of you guys are going, well, how do they know it's a perfect prospect? How do they know there's a potential Hall of Famer? Michael Lombardi explained it great the other day. You know, you've got a multitude of boards in your draft room, in your war room. And I, I absolutely love the thought of being a fly on the wall in one of those draft rooms. I'm sure you guys too, if you're listening to daily podcasts about the Green Bay Packers, you're probably in the same boat. Like, man, I would love to have a six-pack of cold beer, a pizza, and just put me in the corner of the draft room, and I will shut up, and I just want to listen and see everything take place, right? Um, he talked about all the different boards. You guys hear me talk about two of them all the time, the vertical board and the horizontal board. The vertical board is from A to Z, best player to worst player as far as prospects in the draft, and they're all graded out, right? So you get here's your number one prospect, your number two, your number three. Then you get the horizontal board where it's just that. It's listed horizontally. you got the positions listed at the top of the page, right, at the top of the board, I should say. Um, so you got like from left to right, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tied in. It's like in a spreadsheet form all the way across. You guys will see mine on draft night. I've actually got an old school whiteboard that I love doing. Um, I built it as my horizontal board where I've got quick access to it along with everything on my computer. But just there's something about that horizontal board that really pops out to you. You can see clusters of players at, at specific positions. If you've got a position of need, you can see, man, there's only two tight ends that really separated themselves from the rest of the pack. If we want one of these, one of these two tight ends that are the best in the draft, being Michael Mayer and Dalton Kincaid, we've really got to climb up high and we got to treat that with importance. You can look at the edge defender room and you've literally got one 7.6 in Will Anderson, and then you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven players with a 7.0 grade from the 33rd team. That's the horizontal board. That's what it allows you to do. And then he talked about you have, uh, you know, former player a former player board. Basically, they will take all these prospects and line them up, whatever grade they they were given, and, and every team keeps all of their grades. They never – it's not like they just call them, delete them out of the system. So you can always use it as a reference point. So when you've got a prospect that's a 7.6, then you can go you can go back and say, okay, like, like on the 33rd team, their top quarterback in the draft is Will Levis. Some people's jaws dropped right now. You're like, what? How? I've been saying this, gang. 
Like, I'm a Kentucky fan. I'm not a huge Will Levis fan, but the talk around the league is Will Levis. There are a lot of teams that really like Will Levis. I personally think we've seen a little bit of inconsistency this year. Granted, there was a lot of things that came into play. New offensive coordinator. The offensive as a group played like absolute dog crap around him, and it's easy to go, well, that's just an excuse. He, A good quarterback will raise you up another level. You can look at it that way. But the way these scouts look at this is they grade these players out and they go, okay, who is he? Who does he line up next to? And what they found is that 7.6 grade. It's it's kind of at the bottom of that grade, though. That's that's the thing. Like when you look at the grading scale, the 7.6, it's a 7.6 to a 7.99. That's a potential Hall of Famer. They have found that players in the past, right, that had that grade, um, a good chunk of them have went on to be pro football Hall of Famers. You see what I'm saying? So this is not something that was created yesterday. You know, Michael Lombardi said it best. This, this scouting system, this grading system was used long before Bryce Young was even born, <laughs> right? So that's how it lines up, and they'll actually have a board with some of the all-time greats and where they lined up with their scouting system. And, and here more recently, too, like you would have a, a Megatron. You'd have a Calvin Johnson. Where did he line up? He was an 8.0. Okay, cool. Is there any 8.0s in this draft? There are not. The closest thing to it, in my opinion, is probably Jalen Carter, although we do have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven players in that 7.6 range. We've actually got 28 players in the 7.0 range, but I wanted to point out that it is on the lower spectrum, the lower side of that grade. It's a 7.6 to a 7.99. Therefore, these guys, it's not like they're teetering on that eight mark, right? They're not, they're, they're, they're not, they're closer to a 7.0 than they are that perfect prospect, if that makes sense. So just wanted to point that out. Now back to the draft, back to the mock draft. So Jackson Smith and Jigba, they'll go quick now that I've explained that and laid the foundation out for you guys, okay? Jackson Smith and Jigba at number 13, a 7.0 grade. He's number 21 on my board. What does that mean? He is He's worthy of the 21st pick. He's actually probably worthy of a little bit more simply because the way my board sits and where the cluster is and where it comes to tier of talents. But what it basically tells you is with the number 15 pick, what you're going to see, or the number 13 pick, I should say, what you're going to see here in this draft is we've got a huge pool of players to choose from, according to the 33rd team. Uh, of players that fall into that same talent pool. So what you got to ask yourself is if there are seven players in that top tier, right, of 7.6, that top current tier, there's no 8.0 perfect prospects in this draft. But the top current tier, the current top tier of talent in this draft, there's seven players. So when you get beyond seven, right, you're now in the current top tier talent pool, right? So when you pick at number 13, if you've got 28 players, that fall into that next category and seven players have already been taken and you do the math there, you have a ton of players where you could trade back. This is what we've been screaming that you, that may be the time to trade back. Now, what you've got to ask yourself is, first of all, are one of those seven players going to fall is Will Levis, Bryce Young, Bijan Robinson. They've got Quentin Johnson as their best wide receiver. That's pretty fascinating. And I trust these guys on this website. Now, you guys know I've got Jordan Addison as mine. He's their second best receiver on their board. Um, tackle, uh, they've got uh, Broderick Jones, right, as their best tackle. And that caught a lot of people off guard. It didn't catch me off guard because he's got the higher ceiling, according to people that I trust, your Greg Cosells, your uh, your Michael Lombardi, although Greg Cosell wasn't as high on him as Michael Lombardi. Then you've got Jalen Carter, you got Will Anderson. So if none of those guys fall, 
right? You guys heard me tell Jake the other day, he said, man, what, what would be your dream pick? For me, it'd be if Jalen Carter fell, right? And we could take him at number 13 or at least get in the striking distance. Now, if none of those guys fall, now your next tier, you've got 28 players to choose from. Why not trade back five picks? Well, why would you? Why would a team be willing to allow you to trade back? Because of these quarterbacks. You know, the way that the 33rd team has it is Will Levis, Bryce Young, they're in the 7.6 category, right, or a range. And then you've got three quarterbacks in the 7.0, which is Stroud, Hendon Hooker, and Anthony Richardson. Now, you guys know the way my board lands is I've got Bryce Young separated from everyone, and then I've got Will Levis. I'm sorry, I've got C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, and Anthony Richardson, and I've got Hooker way lower, way lower. I think he's – I mean, he's not even on my top 100, if I remember correctly. So, with that being said, we took the 21st best prospect according to my board, a 7.0 according to theirs. And, again, that 7.0 is simply saying that uh, that's an all-pro talent. They are, Those players are worthy of a top 10 pick. That's a good draft pick there. The next pick was number 42. We're going to go a lot quicker here. Quarterback Hendon Hooker. That really shocked me. So, PFF took – at number 42 for the Green Bay Packers quarterback, Hendon Hooker. He also had a 7.0, which is a top 10 grade, according to the 33rd team. My board disagrees. It's not my personal opinion. It's not my scouting that, that came to that conclusion. It's the way that I create my board with people that I trust, okay? So just keep that in mind. He was number 80. He was actually – he was in the top 100. Hendon Hooker is number 88 on my board. At the number 45 pick, they took edge defender Keon White. Some people just threw up on their shoes, right? Out of Georgia Tech, edge defender. He has a 6.4 according to the 33rd team. I have him as the number 50 prospect. To me, that's not a bad pick at number 45 because 50 is right there in that range. That's pretty close. The Hendon Hooker one, according to my board, is quite the reach, okay? Um, now, at the number 78 pick, they took wide receiver Tyler Scott. He also had a 6.4 grade. You may be asking, what does 6.4 mean? According to the 33rd team, it's a starter within two years. So a developmental player that they firmly believe could be a starter in the next two years. Okay. So that's it's to me, it's kind of a safe pick there at 45, if you will. Um, so again, 6.4. Um, I had him graded out 50. When you go to wide receiver Tyler Scott, they had a 6.4 on him as well. I had Tyler Scott from Cincinnati wide receiver at 113. So didn't really like the Hendon Hooker pick at, at number 42, and I did not like the wide receiver pick there with Tyler Scott. Um, and when I say I didn't like it, it's not my personal opinion. It's how my board has been designed. Let's move on to Pro Football Network. Um, the number 13 pick, they take safety Brian Branch out of Alabama. You guys know I don't need to explain how I feel about that. I think it's absolutely awesome. They have him on the 33rd team as a 7.0 prospect, um, same as Jackson Smith and Jigba, same as Hendon Hooker. Um, I have him as the number 18 prospect on my board. Guys, the big thing that you got to understand when you look at the horizontal board and you go to safeties, tier one, that 8.0 perfect prospect, there's no safety. 7.6, there's no safety. You've got one in the 7.0 range, and that's Brian Branch. 6.7 range, no safety. 6.5 range, no safety. It goes all the way down to 6.4 before you get the next safety, and that's a starter within two years, a second-round talent. So you don't want to be stuck um, you know, taking a second-round talent with a first-round pick, obviously. So if Brian Branch goes early, which I, I, I think he probably will, 
to be honest. And that's going to be one of the draft questions that we'll wrap up with here in a minute. I'm kind of ending with the draft night things to watch, right? What are three things you want to watch for when it pertains to the Green Bay Packers, which is going to determine how uh, the quality of prospect that's going to be available on the board when they select at number 13, you know, if they do not trade up or back. But again, Brian Branch, love the pick. 7.0 grade, number 18 on my board. Love it. Number 42, Pro Football Network took Darnell Washington, tied in out of University of Georgia. Now, the 33rd team has a 6.2 grade on him, and this doesn't surprise me. It says he's an eventual starter, a second or a third-round talent. Well, why in the world are some people mocking him in the first? We know why they're mocking him in the first, because of how he performed in his freaking underwear at the combine. And this is what I'm talking about. These guys are looking at the tape. They're looking at the measurables. They're taking everything into consideration. And they came up and basically said they feel like Darnell Washington is a 6.2. To put that into perspective, guys, according to the 33rd team, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven tight ends better than Darnell Washington in this draft. Okay. Now, I have Darnell Washington in the 35 spot. Okay, so picking him at 42 and him being at the 35 spot, I feel like that's a good pick according to my board. But I wanted to point out 33rd team kind of disagreed there at the number 45 pick. Once again, this is Pro Football Network. The last mock was the PFF mock. The Pro Football Network takes edge defender Keon White at number 45 once again out of Georgia Tech. 6.4 um, is the grade he got from the 33rd uh, team. And I have him as the 50th best prospect. Like I said last time, I feel like that's probably the range that Keon White deserves to go. Number 78, they took a wide receiver just like PFF did, although this time it's Trey Palmer out of Nebraska. The 33rd team has a 6.2 grade on him, so that's even uh, even worse than Tyler Scott out of Cincinnati. And I actually have Trey Palmer at number 143 on my big board. Did not like that pick at all. Let's move on to the NFL mock draft database. Okay. Number 13 pick, they took edge defender Nolan Smith. This is actually one of the, the uh, draft night things to watch uh, questions that I have that we'll cover as we wrap up here in a minute. Um, Nolan Smith um, out of the University of Georgia. The 33rd team has a 7.0 grade on him, and Nolan Smith is the 19th best prospect on my board. I think it's a bit of a reach in my opinion. He's undersized as far as weight. Not only that, he I think he came in at like 238, 239 pounds. You know, I made the joke on the uh, on the draft podcast there with Jake Shavink. Hey, man, we'll get him up to Wisconsin, get some spotted cow beer in his belly. We'll get some, uh, some cheese curds. We'll put that weight on him in no time, right? But – in all honesty, realistically, when you make somebody change their weight dramatically, you, you've you've got to kind of expect that their play is going to be affected. You know, that was the great thing about Rashawn Gary. He played interior defensive line. They drafted him. He cut weight. And he came out just as good, if not better, than he performed in college, right? And, uh, you know, with that being said, how will Nolan Smith respond to that? Michael Lombardi is avid on the fact that he is a Sam linebacker. And you heard Greg Cosell say that. Greg Cosell tied him to the Philadelphia Eagles, saying he thinks the Philadelphia Eagles would be the best fit for him because they ha- they have a couple uh, couple voids, you know, a couple players uh, at the linebacker position that left in free agency, if I remember correctly, or maybe even more traded away at time. But um, with Nolan Smith, he could plug right into that Sam. But why is that important for Philly? They play a lot of five-man front, right? Now, when you talk about Sam, traditionally a Sam linebacker is an A43 defense. 
whether you believe in the 34 or the 43, that makes no difference to me. But what Michael Lombardi's pointing out is gone are the days of we're going to play base defense on first down, right? It's actually been gone for more than a decade now. Now we're matching personnel. Well, if the majority of the personnel that's played on offense in the National Football League is 11 personnel, one running back, one tight end, therefore three wide receivers, you're taking that Sam off the field. So now you've got to ask yourself, can he be more than a Sam backer, right? He's perfect for the Sam role, don't get me wrong. But if you're going to if you're going to take a player that you got to pull off the field for the majority of the defensive snaps because he can't do uh, what the majority of the personnel you're using on defense can do, man, that's that's a tough sell on me. But, again, Nolan Smith, number 13, 33rd team, loved him 7.0. He's 19th on my board. I think he's got a ton of talent. Um, In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Next is number 42, wide receiver Jalen Hyatt, you know, the one that uh, Jake and I had a conversation with about the other night. Um, He has a 7.0 grade, according to the 33rd team, and then he comes in, ironically, at the 33rd spot on my draft board. I think that would be an absolutely phenomenal pick all the way across the board. Jalen Hyatt at the number 42 pick, man, that would be stout. 
that would be a great, great pick for wide receiver. If you took number 13 and you gave me Brian Branch at number 13 and then you followed it up with Jalen Hyatt and then you followed it up with the next pick, which is number 48, tied in Darnell Washington, I think you're on to something there. And again, we mentioned just a second ago, Darnell Washington, 6.2, and he's 35 on my board. The number 78 pick, NFL draft, uh, mock draft database, uh, selected for the Green Bay Packers. Defensive lineman Byron Young out of Alabama. He had a 6.4 grade. He's number 129 on my board. Really feel like that's a reach there, uh, in my personal opinion. I, I The more I see number, the number 78 pick, I kind of feel like I want it to be a tight end because the tight end uh, class is so stacked. I feel like you can get a quality tight end at number 78, and maybe uh, those you know two picks there at 42 and 48 you focus on wide receiver. It just depends on how the board falls, and none of us know until we get to draft night. Up next is the draft network. The number 13 pick, they took my boy, my favorite prospect at the number 13 spot, and that is tight end Michael Mayer out of Notre Dame. The 33rd team says he's a 7.0 prospect. They actually have him listed as the best tight end over Dalton Kincaid. You guys know my board has teetered back and forth, back and forth with every modifier that's been applied. Um, that's why now I am leaning toward Michael Mayer as the best tight end in this draft. We took him at number 13 in this draft, a 7.0 grade, right? and he's 22nd on my board. A little bit of a reach at the number 13 spot, but it may be one of those situations where you go, okay, we know he's the best tight end in the draft. If the Packers agree with the 33rd team and my board, right, then you say, you know what, let's just pull the trigger. Let's get that guy that's a huge need for us. That doesn't sound like a Green Bay Packer thing to do, right? But, again, we can uh, we can kind of walk through that in this scenario. At the number 43 pick, uh, the Draft Network selects for the Green Bay Packers wide receiver Marvin Mims Jr. out of Oklahoma. This one hurts. This one hurt bad. Number 43, Marvin Mims Jr. out of Oklahoma. The 33rd team has a 5.9 grade on him, guys, 5.9. I'm going to tell you what that means. According to them, a 5.9 is a backup special teams contributor, a fifth or a sixth-round talent. That's how far off uh, he is from the draft network. Now, whether you agree with draft network or not, that's not what we're here to do is argue on which sites better. Just want to lay this out that in this scenario, we reached big time for a wide receiver on my board. He is one twenty four. That's a horrible reach. Okay. Um, so up next is number 46. They took safety Christopher Smith out of the university of Georgia. The 33rd team has a 6.0 grade on him. He is 84th on my board. Another huge reach there. So you're seeing the draft network outside of that Michael Mayer pick. They even reached on the Michael Mayer pick too. Cause you guys know, I kind of feel like we should trade back if we are going tied in with our first pick. There's no reason to try to do that at number 13. Um, and then next, uh, or last but surely not least, number 79 is uh, from the draft network for the Green Bay Packers is interior offensive lineman Henry. I hope I'm saying this right. Benavalu, I think is how you say it. And uh, he's from Washington. Uh, the 33rd team had a 5.6 grade for him, and he's number 145 on my big board. Horrible pick there. So the draft network, man, the only thing I liked there was Michael Mayer, even though it was a bit of a reach. We know I think that's a pretty safe pick. If you had to kind of couple these up, man, again, Jackson Smith and Jigba at number 13, Brian Branch, uh, safety at number 13, even Nolan Smith at number 13, I can see. Michael Mayer at number 13, I can see. I'm good with all of those, to be honest with you. Number 42, Hendon Hooker, I don't like that at number 42. Darnell Washington, 
I think it's okay. I think that's a pretty good pick, um, although the 33rd team kind of disagrees. Uh, Jalen Hyatt, an excellent pick. I would be all about that. And then uh, you've got Marvin Mims Jr., obviously a complete bust. Let's just wipe the draft networks out other than Michael Mayer. If you kind of looked at these three or these four uh, websites and said, which one do you like the most? There's two that really popped to me. PFF with Jackson Smith and Jigba and uh, quarterback Hendon Hooker, although I disagree with the Hendon Hooker pick. The experts suggest that would be two really solid first and second round picks. And then NFL uh, mock draft database with the uh, edge defender Nolan Smith and wide receiver Jalen Hyatt. Um, if you gave me Jackson Smith and Jigba at number 13 and then Jalen Hyatt at number 42, I'd be doing cartwheels. Could you imagine? That wide receiver room goes, I mean, literally in the blink of an eye, Romeo Dobbs probably slides down to the number four receiver. You've got Christian Watson, you've got Jackson Smith and Jigba, and you've got Jalen Hyatt. Man, you're putting some weapons around our boy Jordan Love. That would be really, really exciting. So just wanted to walk through that real quick and uh, and kind of give you guys that updated information now that the trade has been finalized. Um, there's a lot of other talk about the contract. You know, Tom Pelissero came out uh, earlier this morning and actually said on NFL Network, he said um, the, the hold up on the Green on Green Bay's trade, and this, this really gave me a lot of relief. Um, Basically, yesterday, Brian Gutekunst and his presser said, well, we don't want to talk about it till everything's complete. We don't want to talk about it till everything's complete. And it made me go, hold up a minute. See, are they still fighting over compensation? Did this, did this get leaked out too soon? Did they jump the gun on reporting this and the trade isn't finalized? What it sounds like now, that hesitation, according to Tom Pelissero, is they are re, they're reworking Aaron Rodgers' deal, Okay. And, and this is specifically what Tom Pelissero said. This isn't me trying to paint a narrative to fit what I've been saying all along that, first of all, I haven't said that it's a slam dunk guarantee that the contract's going to be uh, be able to be adjusted with Aaron Rodgers to the point where we're going to get a little more cap relief. All I have said all along, and I've got people tagging me going, Clayton, you were right, you were right, you were right because of Tom Pelissero's comments. No, I wasn't right, guys. We don't know who's right, and it doesn't even matter who's right. The only thing I was pointing out are all these so-called experts that claim they know exactly how this contract is, is worked and structured and everything are BSing, and it makes me sick at my stomach to watch them talk down to people as if, and while they pretend as if they know exactly how this contract is put together when none of us do, when Mark Rogers said we didn't, when uh, Andrew Brandt said we didn't. And there's bits and pieces that come out and people speak to those in totality as if that's that's the gospel. And that's the only thing I, I try to point out in those scenarios. So anyway, Tom Pelissero said they are reworking the deal, they're revising the deal so that it provides cap relief for Green Bay this year. Now, that could mean a multitude of things, right? Um, it could mean that in the underlying optional uh, aspect of the contract, that maybe it allows Green Bay to tack on voidable years and spread out that cap hit somehow. Uh, maybe there's a workaround where, you know, if there was ever a deal where rules were going to be bent, this is it, or at least rules were going to be tested, this would be it. I'm not suggesting that's what it is. I've kind of looked at it from that angle. Could it be that Tom Pelissero is completely ignorant? And I don't mean that in an insulting way. I mean, literally, he hasn't followed it close enough to understand that this is all an acceleration of the guaranteed money that would that would hit Green Bay in a 40 million range, right? Or is there some other loophole that we don't know about? We don't know. That's all I was saying, right? But he did say it was to provide the Green Bay Packers with cap relief this year. 
what we've all looked at it like the best case scenario is a $40 million cap penalty based on how Goody decided to handle this. And in my opinion, kind of the worst case scenario of trading him and absorbing the huge cap hit. Um, but any little bit of money, people said, oh, well, if we do, if we do free up some extra money somehow, some way, which to me, I see it, it's, it's very difficult for me to confidently sit here and say, man, we're going to have some extra money here. I'm just saying that's what Tom Pelissero said. Let's wait and let the dust settle and see if it's actually $40 million or if there's some other kind of uh, something extra there, right? Um, but some people were saying, well, will we go out and get a free agent? We go, I, I hope not. If we do, I hope it's a very cheap free agent because the, the good players are already gone. But this is when Goody does his best shopping, right? And guess how he does his best shopping, guys? This is what's so cool. Remember me talking about these grades from the 33rd team? Every player is matched up with a former, you know, a former group of players that had a similar grade, right? And all these go into this database. So when when you get to this stage of free agency, what Goody and his staff is doing is they have a complete system, a complete database of every single prospect that's ever come into the draft and what grade they had on them. So guess where they start in free agency? They go to all these free agents. And they're going to sort that information, that data. They're going to compile everything in an orderly fashion for the people that had the highest draft grade according to their scouts and their senior executives, right? So that they're going to go to the top of the list. That's how you end up landing a Devondre Campbell. That's how you end up landing a Russell Douglas. That's how you end up landing a Rudy Ford, right? Because the grade matches up and says, hey, look, we've seen something in this player. Let's bring them in. I guarantee you they didn't go sign Russell Douglas and Devondre Campbell because they had a horrible draft grade on them. They just said, all right. Yeah, well, let's take a shot here. Maybe it'll work. Anyhow, it works, right? So when you look at all that, you take all that information into consideration, um, that I I would love for them to shop for a cheaper, uh, a cheaper free agent, someone like that. But also I like the idea of any extra money that could possibly free, be freed up. Again, I'm not saying it's that's what's going on here. Just saying it sounds like according to Tom Pelissero and what he knows behind the scenes, unless he's completely oblivious to everything. He, he may know something that we all don't know. If cap room is freed up, let's don't go out and just blow it and overpay. Let's roll that into the cap next year. And, and think about it. The entire cap hit of Aaron Rodgers will be off the books unless somehow, some way they bend the rules and are able to spread that cap hit out. I personally don't see it. Maybe it could happen. But now you're kind of biting the bullet. You're rolling a little more cap into next year, and we're off to the races, right? That was the one positive out of how we handled this was just like, you know what? We're going to get blistered this year in cap penalty, but next year we'll kind of start. I don't want to say fresh because there's a lot of stuff on the books that I disagree with, and it has nothing to do with cash over cap, pushing it out, quote-unquote, swapping the credit card seems to be the popular thing for the doom and gloomers to say nowadays, but more so of this player is not performing up to the amount that we're paying them. Why are we Why are we extending them? You know, Why not let them test the market? Okay. Um, Again, we don't want to get into all that, but I just thought that'd be a cool exercise. That's why I wanted to cover that. Now, let's talk about the draft night things to watch, okay? The number one question for Green Bay Packer fans, right, that, that you've got to ask yourself and, and write this stuff down, man. Put it in your notepad. Put it in you know your notes app on your phone and say, all right, the one thing I'm going to really key in on or the, the three things I'm going to key in on on draft night that's really going to affect the Green Bay Packers. Number one, how many quarterbacks are taken before Green Bay picks? Now, listen, guys. Huge disclaimer. I am not suggesting that the Green Bay Packers would not take a quarterback in the first round. It is on the table. Some of you just threw, threw your Bluetooth across the room. 
I'm telling you, if there's a quarterback in this draft that drops to the Packers and they have a higher grade on him than they did Jordan Love, the Green Bay Packers are going to draft that player. It's going to happen. Now, do I think that a player will drop with that grade? Probably not. Probably not. Um, but, again, why is it important to understand how many quarterbacks may go in the first round and why you want them to go before Green Bay, right? Hopefully there's four, at least four quarterbacks that go before Green Bay picks. Those four being Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, and Anthony Richardson. If all four of those quarterbacks go before Green Bay picks, you're maximizing the quality of the other picks because we know there are two drafts every April. You guys get tired of hearing me say it, but it's so freaking true and so many people don't understand it. You've got a quarterback draft, and then you've got the NFL draft. Those quarterbacks are considered at least one tier higher than their actual ability, their talent, right? Because a quarterback is that important. It's that valuable to a franchise. So if four of those quarterbacks go before us, we're maximizing the value that falls to us at number 13, right? Heck, there may even be a chance if we just go to the 33rd team's board. Let's just do this real quick. If we go to their board, and let's say that all of their quarterbacks, right, go before the Packers or before the Packers pick at 13. I'm not suggesting this. Let's just keep it to four. Let's say Will Levis, Bryce Young, not in that order. Let's go Bryce Young, Will Levis, C.J. Stroud, and Anthony Richardson all go before the Green Bay Packers, right? So those are off the board. When you get to 13, you now have, what, one, two, three, four, five players in that 7.6 range, that top tier of talent, top current tier of talent, um, that could potentially fall to the Packers meaning B. John Robinson, uh, Quentin Johnston, Broderick Jones, Jalen Carter, Will Anderson. What if one of those players fell to eight or nine and the Packers could get in striking distance and trade up and get a huge prospect? Now, the, the next pull of them is great. If if it's not within range, that's okay, but you're going to get down here with a ton of these players. Yeah, you could take the best player available on the board that you know according to your grade, or you could trade out and stockpile some picks, still get a player within that 7.0 uh, tier where there's 28 players to choose from, to trade back five spots, still get one of those players, you just uh, collected some more draft uh, draft capital. I kind of think that could be a way, you know, a way to go. But, you know, with those, with the quarterback question of how many are going to be taken, there's rumors now that Will Levis could go as high as number two, but he's most likely going number four to Indy, right, which means Stroud's falling. Now, you guys know the the S2 testing has kind of caused a shakeup. Some scores got leaked out. People don't even understand exactly how the S2 uh, testing works. And um, I don't understand it completely, but I understand enough to know that that leak shouldn't matter that much. Although, once that, that hop train gets rolling, it gets rolling, right? The S2 is very, very important, but it's a series of nine tests. It's a series of nine tests. And that one score that got leaked, this was according to one of the co-founders of the S2 testing process um, was on the McAfee show. He said that score, that was just one of the test scores, one of the nine test scores. So he may be much higher than people are saying. However, money talks, right? And what happened to Vegas? The odds shifted tremendously that now Will Levis is kind of the, the more popular quarterback to go number two, right? And now C.J. Stroud's fallen. But nonetheless... If Levis goes at two or four, that's great news for us because we know that C.J. Stroud, in my opinion, is the best passer in this draft. That means he's the best quarterback, but I think he's the best passer. Um, there's a good chance he's going to go between number 13, before number 13. Who knows? 
we by the time we get to number 13, we may have three or four phone calls from other teams saying, hey, if if CJ still if CJ Stroud's still on the board at number 13, we want to trade with you. Now you start getting these teams kind of fitting against each other. Man, you talk about maximizing the value of return. Draft night's going to be awesome. We know it's boring the way Green Bay does things. They may just stick and pick, and that's fine. But all of these storylines matter. You know, how far does Stroud fall? That's going to determine whether four or five quarterbacks go. Heck, is Hinden, is the Hinden Hooker hop real? Some people are saying it's a first-round pick. I personally don't believe it, but we're going to find out on draft night. The second question, draft night, things to watch, okay? How far does Nolan Smith fall because of his weight? Because I'm telling you, it's it's a, it's a big – like I said, he's an ideal Sam Backer. And when I say Sam Backer, I need to explain these things. I'm so sorry. Um, so I, the majority of the listeners, I'm sure you understand this, but if there's one person that doesn't understand it, then, hey, um, let's explain it real quick so now you know. You In a 43 defense, right, in a typical defense where you've got that base defense and you've got three linebackers, four down linemen, three linebackers. You've got what we call a will, which is a weak side backer. I mean, it's the opposite side of the tight end. You have got your middle linebacker, right, or your mic, and then you've got your sandbacker, which lines up on the strong side of the formation, the tight end side of the formation, okay? That's what a sandbacker is. And the reason that Michael Lombardi said you can't draft a player that high if he's just a sandbacker that you're going to pull off the field, and some people said, well, you can still leave him in. Okay, then stop calling him a Sam, right? But like Lombardi pointed out at 239 pounds, he's going to get his butt ran over in the running game if he's playing that true uh, you know, defensive end, edge defender you know, position rather than a Sam backer, okay? Now, when you think in Green Bay's terms, right, think of Preston Smith. How many times have we seen Preston Smith drop into coverage, right, because we're running some kind of exotic zone blitz or whatever. If we're, It just so happens we're in a 34 base, and it just calls for a, a cover three look, and, you know, Gary's side, the pressure's coming from that side, rightfully so, right, and then Preston Smith is dropping out on his side to cover, right? And that scenario, yeah, it would work great. But Preston Smith's got the frame to set the edge if they read run, right? Nolan Smith, they're saying, doesn't have that frame. He doesn't have that weight. He doesn't have enough, for lack of a better way of putting it, junk in the trunk, right? So he's ideal Sam, but where does he fit into the nickel? And do other t- are other teams going to really look at that and go, man, I don't know if he can do that? They may look at him like Quay Walker. You know, one of the big talks about Quay Walker coming into last year's draft was he could also rush the quarterback a little bit. Right. Maybe they see Nolan Smith and his athleticism as someone who could play inside backer in the nickel defense. I personally don't see it, but, you know, I'm just a dumb redneck from Tennessee. I don't know. Um, But that's another thing to watch for. Does Nolan Smith fall? The reason I say that, if he's too undersized for Green Bay to take, that's fine and good. But if that's the case, we want Nolan Smith off the board before we pick. Right. I personally would rather Nolan Smith be off the board before we pick, although. Like I said, the 33rd team has a 7.0 grade, and he's 19th on my board. It's just when you're picking that high, you don't want any question. You don't want any question marks whatsoever, right? Uh, The third thing to watch on draft night that's going to kind of apply to the Packers, how long does safety Brian Branch last if we pass him up at 13? If we get to the number 13 pick and Brian Branch hasn't been selected yet, which I wouldn't be surprised if he's a top 10 pick. You know, according to the 33rd team, he's worthy of a top 10 pick with that 7.0 grade. He is the only safety that's above a 6.4 grade, right? He is the 18th best prospect on my board. He's worthy of a 10th pick, a top 10 pick, right? So does he last? How long 
does safety Brian Branch last? So if we don't take him at 13, does he fall all the way down to 42? I just don't see it, guys. I don't see it. Which means if we want the best safety in this draft, we would have to trade back up to grab him or take him at 13. But again, in this scenario, it makes the most sense with this pool of players to trade back. Trade back three spots. Trade back five spots, right? Hopefully they have called every team that's picking after them the number 13 pick and said, hey, would you be interested in trading up? Hopefully that's what Goody has done. And if you've got the structure already in place for like three or four different trade scenarios, and then you get to that 13th pick and you go, okay, we're going to trade back. You take the best offer and bang, you're off and running. Now you're collecting draft draft capital. And that's really, really exciting. So um, the 33rd team, like I said, man, they say he's an all pro talent worthy of a top 10 pick. That doesn't mean he's going to be an all pro. It means players in the past with that same grade, that similar grade, they have turned out to be all pros um, when they maximize their ability. So uh, there's a lot more to that as far as that rolling scale of how many players actually panned out that graded out the same. But again, that's how the grading system works. So hopefully that gave you guys a little bit of insight on how the draft's going to work. And um, maybe maybe it uh, you know provoked a, a few thoughts that you otherwise uh, might have overlooked. I know as I was going through the 33rd team's website today and looking at their draft board, I got really excited because I was just learning a ton, and that's what we're all about here. So let's do this. As we wrap up, Aaron Rodgers put out an Instagram uh, post, right? And it's kind of a goodbye to Green Bay. So I'm going to read it off to you guys. You guys know I suck at reading on a computer screen. I'm getting old. I'm, I'm supposed to wear glasses. Mandy is on me all the time about it. She says I look good in them. I just I, – I don't know, man, if it's how I was raised or what. But when I got glasses on, I feel vulnerable. Like, I know it's not a healthy way of thinking, but everywhere I go, growing up in a biker family, everywhere I go, I'm immediately looking around going, all right, which one of these guys am I going to fight in here? <laughs> so I hate having glasses on my freaking face. But when – uh. If I had those on, I'd be able to read off the screen a little bit more is what I'm trying to say. So um, with that being said, bear with me. It may get a little bit ugly here. I'm sure I'm going to mispronounce some names, but I do want to read this because I thought this was a really, really cool post by Aaron Rodgers. It says Aaron, you know, Aaron Rodgers 12, his Instagram handle says, thank you with the heart emoji. I'm not sure it's possible to fully express the gratitude that I have to the Packers. Um, and he tagged the Packers. Our incredible fans, the state of Wisconsin, the thousands of players that I've crossed paths with, the incredible men and women who work for the organization, and the amazing people who I got to meet along the way. In one post with 10 pictures, but I hope you read this and fill my heart and soul filled with love, joy, and peace about my time in Green and Gold. I grew up in Green Bay, drafted at 21 years old, fell in love with the game, met some lifelong friends, and take with me memories that will last a lifetime. I'm grateful to the late Ted Thompson for drafting me, for my head coaches, especially the 13 years with Mike McCarthy. But the media said he hated Mike McCarthy, huh? And the last four with Matt LaFleur. He even gave Matt LaFleur a shout-out. I had some incredible men to work with in the quarterback room over the years, including Tom, AVP, Luke, and Connor. Huge thank you to my guys in the equipment room, Red, T-Bone, Odea, um, might be Odie, Kev, Brian, Alan Gruber, all my dear friends in the training room over the years, Nate, Flea, Doc McKenzie, Doc Gray, Pep. I love Pepper, man. Pepper's he's just I about cussed. He's awesome. And, and cuz is what it says. The legendary Adam Corzin and his incredible staff, Dougie, Krabby, and Scotty, for always looking out for me, uh, Tom, Nate, Sarah, and Jason and PR. Uh, 
Evan for bringing my work to life, my work life to film, The Rock and Wayne for giving words to the highlights of my career, talking about The Rock and Wayne Larrabee. That is awesome. Um, Gray and Big Rob for your work with uh, with our guys over the years. Bloke, Thad, Grant, and Giz in the weight room. Bob Harlan, Russ Ball, Mark Murphy. Gave Murph a shout-out. Look at that. And Brian Gudikins for your stewardship of the organization. Everyone on the third and fourth floors who make that building run smoothly and so many countless others at the loading dock, tours, concessions, maintenance, our field crew, etc. He goes on to the fans now. To the fans, thank you in all caps. You made every run out of that tunnel special, every home game magical, and it was my honor to be your quarterback. To my teammates, I love you all, and I'm thankful for the moments on and off the field that brought us close. I played with legends. I played with friends. Thanks for believing in me and having my back always. This is not the end for us. I will see you again, Green Bay. You'll always have my heart. 12. Hashtag grateful. Hashtag 18 years. Uh, hashtag a green heart and a gold heart. So, for all the people that wanted to bash 12 and talk about, hey, selfish and this and that, some of you are going, oh, it's just a message. He had to do that. He's just trying to save face. BS. The dude is a stand-up guy. And I challenge everyone that has a problem with him, look, go back and find when you first had a problem with him, right? Not you necessarily, but other people that are bashing him. Just go take a look. And, and that's what's so great about Twitter. You can literally go to anybody's Twitter page and search Aaron Rodgers, and it will pull up every tweet that they've ever tweeted about Aaron Rodgers. And it is hilarious watching all those tweets be positive up until November of 2021. And that's when he spoke out about the vaccine. At that point, whoo, here comes the villain, Aaron Rodgers. And every, I, I love the fact that the media attacked him so much. And then who did he shout out there? There was four or five names that he shouted out in PR, the media. Took the high road. When they go low, you go high. So I thought that was a really cool, heartfelt message. Um, no longer does he have to worry about people uh, constantly talking about who he's dating and how old they are. They don't, he don't have to worry about them uh, talking about his vaccination status in Green Bay. He don't have to talk about how he it's, – it's hilarious that early in his career he was so standoffish and the media didn't like the fact that he wouldn't talk to him, like he was too good to talk to him. And then when he opens up and talks to the media, they pick every one of his words apart, right? So – I don't mean to turn that into a negative, and I probably shouldn't even say what I just said, but it's what's on my heart, and what I'm getting at is nobody's perfect. And there are people in this fan base that last year, they expected him to be perfect, even though everything around him was kind of crumbling. Broken thumb, bruised rib, tore cartilage, still taping it up and going out there and playing week in and week out. Um wide receivers leading the league in drop passes it's just it's amazing and and they were it was like they they needed just one opportunity to just to just jump all over him and those people last year were going Jordan Love could do better than this and now you look at them and they're going we need to curb the enthusiasm of Jordan Love <laughs> funny how that works so i'm a green bay packer fan as soon as as soon as we lace them up 
and Jordan Love runs out there, that's my QB one, and I'm behind him 100%. And what I want to tell everybody that's an Aaron Rodgers fan, because you guys, you're in the majority. That's what's hilarious. You hear the negative people more than you hear the majority. That's just the way everything is. Sports, politics, everything, right? I want you, every time that you want to go, I thought Jordan Love was better than Aaron Rodgers, right? And you want to point out how people treated him unfairly last year with everything crumbling around him. Before you do that, I want you to think of how you felt when they were doing that to Aaron last year. Don't do it to Jordan. Let's take the high road. Let him go to the Jets and let him be the best version of of Aaron Rodgers that he can be right now, right? And let's focus on the Green Bay Packers. But don't you dare stoop to the level that some of these fans did last year with Aaron Rodgers out there with a broken freaking thumb and talking crap as if he was a horrible quarterback. All of a sudden, he forgot how to play football, and they were too chicken mm, to even mention that he had a broken thumb. Every podcast went by. Every comment went by, and they didn't mention one time. But keep in mind, guys, playing with a broken thumb, just conveniently left that out, right? And the same thing with the PFF. It's like they never mentioned the PFF grade. And when they did, it's like, oh, he's having a horrible season. Look at his PFF grade. And he was still one of the highest-graded players on the team with a broken thumb. So let's don't stoop to that level. Let's get 100% behind Jordan Love. And let's go out and, and and just shock the freaking world. We're the underdogs now, baby. There is no two ways about it. So let's go out. Let's embrace that underdog role. We need shirts made. We need that's what we need, Ryan. We need Packernet shirts made, embracing the underdog role. I, mean, I, I got the perfect idea for it. Now I'm gonna text you this when I get off here. Packernet podcast emblem, the NFC North, uh, you know, standings, if you will, with the Vegas odds to win the North. And have those odds listed next to those players, and literally put underdogs on the shirt. I would buy that thing in a heartbeat. I'd I'd, I'd buy some of my Bears fan uh, friends uh, that are that are Bears fans. I'd buy them one or two as well. So, anyway, appreciate you guys' time. Can't wait for the draft Thursday night. Tune in. Me and Ryan are going to be live. I know that me and Ryan are definitely going to be live the entire time for the first round. Um, I think there's going to be some other guys hopping in with us. I'm, I'm hoping one special guest jumps in and he knows who he is. And if you guys watched last year, that every time he's seen the dude, he was eating some kind of food. I hope he's on with us. It's going to be a blast. Um, we're going to have a good time. And, and hopefully the whole crew can get together. But I did commit to Ryan and told him, hey, look, I'll be on there all night for the first round. I'm looking really, really forward to hanging out with you guys. And, uh, man, it's a new era. It's exciting. Got those extra picks. It's going to be a good night. We're going to have a blast on Thursday. So appreciate everybody's time. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. Go Pack Go. On the fake, Rodgers lets it fly. Has Watson. He's got it on his feet, and he's in for the touchdown. That might be the biggest catch of this young receiver's career. Christian Watson, you can see him. It's just press man. They talk about his speed, his ability to get behind the defense. It's just a matter of can he catch it. That's a great job tracking the ball. He just took a big sigh of relief. Look at his buddies greeting him on the sideline, man. That's got to feel good. 